I'm Lieutenant Pat Doring, Crisis Negotiator from WhatCopsWatch.com. And you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at WadeSense.com. That's WadeSense.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Wade Sense. I am your host, Wade Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. Across from me sits Mr. Mike Wilkerson, the wizard of this program. It's Technical Savior. Mike, how are you doing this evening? It's good to be the Technical Savior. How are you? <laughs> I am fantastic. We have got a show lined up like none you can believe, folks. For the first time that I can think of in a long time, I've taken a subject matter, and uh, I've been talking to various uh, people about it, uh, mostly women, which is where this would be affecting the most. Score. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into that, I've got some housekeeping items that I wanted to run by you, Mike. When we talked about uh, making the media accountable, I know that we were talking about the difficult matter of making it work, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there was uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Frank Luntz. And I'm sure quite a few of our listeners will be familiar with the gentleman I'm talking about. And he had this method of uh, dialing where he would get a panel of people that were listening and watching uh, the debates, also some uh, political commercials, and they would be dialing their initial response in as to whether they approved, disapproved, whatever levels it was that he was trying to reach. Sure, sure. And I had the, I had the idea of that would be part of the News Nielsen's. That, uh, but I still wanted to somehow translate the dial feature into a readable, more understandable number for people to grasp onto. And then the other idea that I had for this was something this this massive, this big of a paradigm shift in our news watching would be to introduce this, have possibly a couple hosts maybe on different sides that purport to be honest and above all and straightforward and non-biased and non-spinning, offer them basically the Pepsi challenge. It's like, well, here, why don't you let some people watch you and just we'll do this as a test program, but it'll be right out there in front of everybody. And once again, you can prove just how unbiased that you are. And who are the people that would ride the middle in that panel right now? Who, who are those people? Because I'm not familiar with them. The people that are, what, on the, the, the Luntz dialers? Well, no, the people in the middle that are doing all the judging or marshalling that wouldn't be leaning left or right. Because, I mean, that not that really what's been the problem with just about every single thing that is a political debate for the last 10 years? Any debate that we get into, we have to grin and bear that one side or the other is now leading this particular debate panel. Oh, basically how it's it's and this this large public display of... Uh, of feathers, and yeah. depending on who is standing there, the feathers either lean in this direction or that. Yeah. There is no giant center-leaning effort or people, to my knowledge. And that's not to say one's better than the other. I, you and I happen to lean conservatively. Right. There are some people that lean to the left mm-hmm. that have some interesting ideas that I don't mind listening to at all. No, absolutely not. But the vast majority of people that are put into the public eye that are showcasing feathers are traditionally just jerk the feathers out and lean the lean to the left, and I don't care for that. Right. No, I understand. I'm still trying, and I'm, and I'm still wrestling with that. Obviously, this is something that is not complete, which is why we spend so much time, in, <laughs> uh, you spend so much time poking holes in what it is that I'm sure. trying to put out there. Mm-hmm. If you once again, if you stick, like I said, with the 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 gold standard of 
is this biased? Is this is this being spun in one direction or another? And also, is something out there not being covered? Is there something that they're just not talking about that is in the public sphere of influence and should be, but they're not talking about it because it doesn't fit their narrative? If you go with those two standards, and once again, I, I don't really know how to at this point, put it into something that you can understand and judge and, and dial one direction or the other. But if we have, if you've got a goal in mind of what it is that you're trying to do, in this case, you're trying to alert the people uh, publicly that that their newscasters, that their that their mavens of putting the news out, are leaning one direction or another, then they should be publicly aware of that. So, if you've got that in mind, if you're trying to point in that direction, do you understand where I'm going? I don't because I, I think that you'd be kidding yourself. No, seriously. I think that you would be kidding yourself if you thought that, for example, anybody that is a host over at CNN.com doesn't know and or foster that everything coming out of their mouths that's right inside of the headlines that you read on their website is somehow fostering something to the left where, in comparison, if you go over to every single host on the right mm-hmm. – and look at something, say, through foxnews.com, right. that every single one of their headlines and every single one of the connotations of their stories leans to the right. Mm-hmm. I think that you're kidding yourself that you would find something that's leaning way more centrist or in the middle for anything. Um, there are many people that say many things, especially on the right-hand side, that can be considered more centrist than mm-hmm. way right-leaning, yes. Yeah. But... I want you to find me the reasonably conservative leaning liberal because I'm I'm seriously I'm trying to think of one. Right. And I can't think of one. That's not disparaging everybody on the left, but that is me racking my collective publicity brain yeah. to go, okay, this guy, while in general leans to the left and I don't care for that, right, can at least come up with a series of things that I can either stomach or somehow maybe get behind or see how it could puzzle piece into something that is way more conservative right. that I would be leaning towards. Yeah. And I can't think of one. No, I, I mean, it would, I it, would, it would definitely be a search to find somebody who would be willing to step up to the plate and, and, and you know, put themselves out in public like this. Right. But the, there's the, got to be somebody that would do it. I, I would like to know who they are and where the hell they've been. I don't I, know. Seriously. I don't, I, know. I don't understand why any network, especially one that has money, and we're talking about the two largest networks on the planet. We're not talking about any small fries here. No, no, of course not. How the how the two largest networks on the planet can't find somebody that's in the middle and then foster, use them as a fostering puzzle piece to the other side that is amazing to me mostly because it's not all about grabbing everybody on the right because you've got them right exactly that's what i've never understood about right and left-leaning politics is that you've already got them right you're already catering to the base the base is with you well they always say that every that every election it's it's the the, the people that come down to decide in the election are the 20 percent, the undecided yeah. all the way up to yeah. the end yeah i i, I, I understand what yeah. you're saying the, 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 just about weighing the media stuff and why we talked about it inside of that episode which we'll link to in the show notes of this episode mm-hmm. is we would love to be able to do it and i just I, I i i've never seen it the note that you talk about well i will i promise you i will go back and i will look at how they were able to focus on and somehow capture the instantaneous pulse of what people feel right now yeah i in really a want room to know across political to lines that. and i, I just I, I i don't buy that it, it's too easy if it was that easy, why can't we get a room of a thousand people and do exactly the same thing with as much monitoring? Yeah. Because if you can do a hundred people, a thousand is not that many when you when you scale up. Yeah, trying to get a thousand people in one room and do it. <laughs> well, right, but it would happen. Yeah. 
Right. No, if, I, I mean, if you knew that you had three and a half minutes and it took yeah. however many thousands of minutes across a segment to get done, it's less time than having to wait for people to go and vote all day. Right. Mike, if there's, if there's one thing that we're trying to do with this program, at least I feel that the, the central thrust of it is to change people's thinking. Mm-hmm. And in some respects, that's uh, that's just the singular. That's that's just the small group. Mm-hmm. In others, it is a paradigm shift. And I think something like this is a paradigm shift in what you're thinking about how people watch and judge the news. I mean, you and I are both concerned that it, it, it's, it's, it's sad, it's alarming that, like we are just saying, that, that people are on the left or they're on the right, and that's the news that they get. They don't even try, unlike myself, where I will. I will watch, I'll, I'll go across the board and I'll watch different stations to see what it is that they're saying or not saying. And what I hope what we're trying to do with this idea of making the media accountable is to just get to a point where people can watch that newscaster and say, I don't really agree what he's saying, but it looks like, obviously, from what people are watching, that they're gauging that he's truthful. I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out in our housekeeping notes because I've just I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. this 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 thing. You, you can't watch the news if you're especially if you're a political junkie like I am, and and not want there to be some kind of public accountability. Sure. We've talked about a lot inside of the housekeeping segment. What's the main meat topic of this podcast this this time, Wade? This one, I'm going to throw up one of my 50 cent words, I mm-hmm. have approached with great trepidation. Okay. It's about lowering the teen pregnancy rate. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in, in, in my memory, at least since starting the program, now I've been doing this the whole time that I've been a cab driver. I've been asking questions, the same question over and over again, of my passengers trying to get a read on how people feel, think about something. Uh, it's one of the ways that I discovered that uh, in the last election in 2012, or in, all the way back to 2012, that the biggest political party out there waiting to happen is the fiscal conservative social liberal. It, if, if anybody, if either party can latch on to that group of people, uh, they're going to win elections and just keep winning elections because this is where most people are anymore. These questions that I've been asking about lowering the teen pregnancy rate, I have been asking largely of women and largely of black women. I wish it would have been a larger group of people that I could have talked to, but the ones that I've talked to about about this lowering the teen pregnancy rate plan have been uh, – I've gotten nothing but great feedback that they feel that it would be a really good idea. Very simply put, this is it. There is, and I, I hate starting this this way, but this is what you're going to have to do because this is going to be, once again, a true paradigm shift, is you have what amounts to a government program to go into every school, and I do mean every school across the land. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able, as someone pointed out recently, you're not going to be able to get into uh, private schools, their, their own entity. But for the most part, most of our education is public. But anyway, you go into these schools. I wish that you didn't have to do this this early, but just a scientific fact Girls are getting their cycles earlier and earlier. You're going to have to talk to these 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 boys and girls in fifth and sixth grade just to get ahead of the of the issue. You you talk to them, and I want the parents brought in. So maybe this is going to be the kind of scenario where the parents are all in um, a large uh, lecture bowl, conference room, whatever, sitting there with their kids, and we're going to allow them to explain things point by point. You tell the, the you tell the young ladies that if for some reason that they should get pregnant that there's not going to be any large government agencies helping with the process. They're going to be on their own. You tell the young men essentially the same thing, that if they should get these girls pregnant, that 
this is going to be theirs and their parents' financial responsibility. And if something should happen to these babies by their action or inaction, then there will be penalties to be paid. And you can translate that any way you want. Basically, you're putting the fear of God into both of them. Now, at the same time, where this gets really radical is what I propose. And I don't have the science. I don't even know if it's available at this point. Wade's sense is about proposing solutions that are sometimes uglier than the problem. I don't think that that, uh, at least on the front, can be avoided in coming to that conclusion. But my feeling is this. If there was a possibility, if the science existed, that you could offer these young women, and I don't know if it would necessarily for the boys as well, some kind of a procedure, some kind of a surgical procedure where they could get what would amount to be temporarily fixed so that they couldn't have kids. Temporary. And now what I propose is that at about the age of 16, 18, whenever it is that these kids start working, that a small percentage of every check is taken out to reverse this procedure at the age of 25. At that point, then most people are probably starting to start their families anyway. And if you can do it like this, then this procedure, one, is going to pay for the reversal of the operation. The interest on that money is going to pay for the other, should pay for the other points of the program as well, the, the, the uh, going to the different schools, all of the things that it would encompass to make this thing work. Like I said, this is a paradigm shift. This is going to take five to ten years for this to really hit. But things have happened. Paradigm shifts can happen, and I believe that that is the case. Now, as this is going to be the case, and I imagine there are a lot of schools, if you decide you absolutely want nothing to do with this entire program, then you can sign what amounts to a rock-solid waiver that if you have babies, that if your children have babies, you and them are on your own. These are your financial responsibilities. This is tough love. The reasons that I am proposing this, people, is because... In doing what I'm doing, I have seen so many young women under the age of 25 that sometimes have four and five kids, and they're never going to get ahead in life. These are some of the facts that I gleaned from the Internet on just what kind of a problem it is that we're looking at, mm-hmm. that these people mm-hmm. are, that, that these children are, are, are having to deal with. Three in ten girls get pregnant at least once before the age of 20. That's nearly 750,000 teen pregnancies. Parenthood is the leading reason girls drop out of school. More than 50% of teen moms never graduate. Less than 2% of teen moms earn a college degree by the age of 30. About 25% of teen moms have a second kid within 24 months of the first baby. The U.S. has one of the highest teen pregnancy rates in the world. In 2008, teen pregnancy rates among black and Hispanic teen girls ages 15 to 19, was over two and a half times higher than teen pregnancy rates among teen white girls of the same age group. Eight out of ten teen dads never marry the mother of the child. I can go on and on from there. The reason that I proposed this solution was because I want these kids to get a chance. I want all of these kids to get a chance. The hardest thing to do is to be a teen parent and to manage to stay on track to have a successful, happy life. The idea that I had with being able to reverse it at 25, and that was just a figure I thrown out, obviously, that they could get off the program if that was the case any time that they wanted, is that at the age of 25, at this point, if they've stayed on track, they've graduated from high school, 
Maybe at this point they've already graduated from college. They've started their lives. They are ready now to be parents. Because looking at these facts, what I've just laid out, these kids are never going to get a chance. And this ultimately just translates across society as being better for everyone. Because if you ask law enforcement, one of the biggest problems that they're dealing with is the kids that are out there that grew up to be the young men and women that have the problems are coming from single-parent homes. These parents are trying. They're trying like hell. But it's so hard to get ahead and make a success out of yourself if you've got these hurdles this early in life. And it's getting to the point now where there's babies that are raising babies. Mike, we're going to be talking to a woman here shortly who is a 36-year-old grandmother. 36 years old. I don't even know if you can wrap your head around that. I couldn't I can't. when she told me. No, I, I, can't. Could, I, I couldn't can't. either. There's a couple of things that come up immediately when you start talking about the program you're talking about. And the first one that I Does have this to... mean you're ready to start poking holes? Oh, yeah. Mike, go ahead. Poke your whole best. Yeah. The... Your whole poking best. I think <laughs> one of the things... I had a conversation with one of my daughter's friends recently. She, too, is in the 15-16 range and I could not quite understand the family dynamics that adorn this house because, like, literally, I don't get it. And so I had her explain them to me. And as clear as a bell, as crystal clear as you've just explained your program to me, mm-hmm. she was able to explain to me all of her brothers and sisters, including the fact that two of the children in the eight children family Jeez. are revenge babies. What? No. Yes. Huh? What do you mean? Okay, well, I was, uh, well, I didn't showcase it. I was as absolutely flabbergasted that a 15-slash-16-year-old tells me that as well. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't quite believe what she said. And you don't I grow said, up well, with those kind of scars. Yeah, when you say revenge baby, what what exactly does that mean? I, yeah. I, I don't think I understand that. And what she said was, well, yeah, my in so-and-so's case, my mom went and had a baby with a friend of my dad, and so they had one of my brothers and sisters, and then a few years later, my dad did the same thing with a friend of my mom's. And when I hear things like that, the, the fact that that is played as a commonsensical role in a conversation between what I consider myself a reasonably right down the middle white bread dad. Oh, yeah. I didn't have a kid. I, I only have one. Mm-hmm. I didn't have them until I was almost 33 years old. Oh, you're definitely a statistic. No doubt about it. And so I'm I'm right in the wheelhouse of reasonably, this is how things go. We never had any problems with pregnancy. We didn't accidentally get pregnant. We didn't have an abortion. We practiced safe sex. My father put the fear of God into me early and said, look, dumbass, don't, <laughs> don't put your dick where it's not supposed to go before you're ready because you cannot afford a child until after probably you're 25. Those are lessons that definitely need right. to come from fathers. Right. And, and absolutely put the fear of God into me because I knew that if it's hard enough for me to have uh, two jobs as an 18-year-old to just be scraping by, paying my rent, and kind of having the things that I want, I can't even imagine the cost that would be involved with having a child, having, let's say, a girlfriend and or wife, having multiple children. Well, when I hear something like this family that uh, currently is a mother and father that are married, but that they have eight children and that there are at least four parents involved in all eight children and that only six of the children live in the same house, but the other two children come to visit regularly. I mean, I, I cannot wrap my mind around one 
six children and two adults in one home the size of the home that they have. I mean, it is... How many square feet are we talking? I'm talking tiny. Mm. The, I don't have a giant house. I think maybe my house is 1,800, 1,900 square feet. Okay. It's not large. Right. But it's built to exactly what my wife, my daughter, and I need, mm-hmm. along with some space right. and our garage and a nice yard and a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine how their household works when there are two bedrooms, a reasonably small accidental kitchen, a front room, a very small dining room, and kind of a playroom that I guess you could use as a nursery until the kids are large enough. But I can tell you this, they're under each other's feet. Oh, they're on top of everybody. And that's why they're not in the house, which also means that they're not getting input from their parents, which means they're getting input from their friends. And based on your friends, you will have ups and downs inside of your experiences in growing up, Uh, which kind of gets me to the next point of hole poking, which is if at, let's just use 16 as the the case of the, the mother that I'm talking about, which it sounds like is the same concept of the one that you're talking about. Yeah. A baby at 16. If you're already thinking that there is some viable way that you can have a child and be okay at 16, you've already crossed over the common sense threshold. That doesn't make any sense. There is no way, regardless of how well off your parents are, that a 16-year-old can raise a child. It's it it's not the way it works nowadays. No. Uh, it can happen. It does happen. There are those diamonds in the rough that somehow make it happen, and everybody succeeds and everybody wins. But, but the if vast... they if they do though, they had the support system to begin with. So many of these kids well, don't have it. They, they had any support system. Yeah. And that, that is what I, I think we're facing, and probably the largest hole to poke inside of just your general plan, mm-hmm. is that while I absolutely would want the parents involved in whatever's going on, I absolutely would like them and the children to look over and sign an agreement slash waiver that says we are going to be responsible, and if not, we are going to foot the bill, not the government, not the state, not the whatever we're going to do. Yeah. I would love all of that. Right. The problem is that, one... More often than not, the dad's nowhere to be found. Yeah. It's just it's just the way the numbers work. Uh, I happened to luck out in that I had my dad all the way through until I was seven. Okay, you're blessed. And uh, my dad left my mom and I when I was seven. And so instantly at seven and a half, eight, eight years old, I was a man. Mm-hmm. And now I'm the man of the family contributing what I needed to to help my mom raise me. That's too young to and, have that thrown uh, on your shoulders. It absolutely is. It yeah. is. But we did it. Yeah. And so I, I do count myself as one of the diamonds in the rough when it comes to growing up and not being foobar and screwed yeah. up and having kids at 16. Yeah. Because you could but, have been easy. Oh, yeah. The the sad reality, though, is that we don't have the father involved. The mother might sign the document, but does that then mean that when the time comes or it accidentally happens or that person is raped or whatever whatever the circumstances are, are they going to remember it long enough to not get pregnant? And if they do, then what? Because I want everybody to remember that in society, we already have kind of a penalty when you come home and you're 15 and you say, hey, mom, I'm pregnant. I think everybody forgets that the penalty that's already there, i.e., you're not supposed to be having babies dumbass is what the penalty is called. Your parents, they will instantly have the shame as well, regardless of whether they also were a 15 slash 16 No, unfortunately, that's not there anymore. That's the problem is that people don't have – people don't – the morals that you're talking about largely – don't, don't exist. exist. I, I totally agree. But, but that's what I'm saying. The the fight that you're wanting to fight has right. nothing to do with these commonsensical check marks in uh-huh. a path to reality that is better for everybody because the parents are involved, the children are involved, no accidental children happens. I mm-hmm. mean, I, 
I don't know where to put that on the scale, but that would be huge. It's if you could ha- say there's there's not going to be pregnancy because it's all planned. That's huge. Right. And it would be absolutely giant. I just know that if they can't agree to have any of the puzzle pieces that are put in place that are commonsensical, telling them that there's now one where the government will not help you and you got to go get a second job delivering pizzas to make it all happen, except the 12 or 13 year old that's now pregnant. I don't. What are they going to do? What? What what options could that person possibly have in the whole scenario? There's going to be a hiccup period, hiccuping period while this is being implemented. It's going mm-hmm. to, like I said, it, it it's not going to be a smooth rollout. There's there's right. going to be people that are going to have issues to begin with, mm-hmm. and there's going to be unfortunately, and I was like I was telling my daughter about this. There's there's going to be, it's not going to catch everybody. There's going to be right. unfortunately incest. There's going to be rape. There's there's going to be some things but, that you can't afford. But, 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 but like not outrageous said, numbers. I, I, that's, I have to, I, I don't agree with that. What? That's always brought up. Incest and rape, I agree that it happens. Right. That it happens where it somehow skews the scale in so many numbers. No, I, 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 no, no, I, I agree with you. That. I absolutely agree with okay. you. And the only reason that I put that out there is because it's one of the first things that people will throw out. Well, what about this? What about the, yeah, you know, so what about that? Yeah, so all the exceptions are yeah, covered they, period they, paragraphs. Yeah, that's right. They, they already throw it out. But here's the thing. It, 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 this isn't meant, this isn't going to stop Everything. This isn't going to immediately solve the problem. Like so many things that we propose in this program, it isn't an immediate cure-all of everything, but it's a start. Right. It's a beginning. Well, what, what if? You, what if the? Like I said, what Mike? What if the paradigm shift starts? What if? What if the parents no, sitting there and, realize and, and with and their I'm, kids? I'm fine for it. I'm fine for it changing. Yeah. What you also have to do though is use the flip test. The flip test in this case is this. Okay. Tomorrow, no government subsidies for you and your three child, children at age 19. Cool. No, I'm sorry. You show me anybody that says, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'll go pick up another couple of jobs. Right. No. No, they're going to have an issue. It's not going to happen. Right. And and if there was something that's got to be halted and or done away with slash completely paradigm shifted, that's what you've got to change is that it doesn't matter because I'm telling you, the revenge kids that got had by this mother, mm-hmm. that is a $2,500 tax credit, quote unquote. Mm. Rather than it being a child that now has to find a way to grow up over the course of now 15, 16 years, learn that getting pregnant at 16 is not okay. Right. Learn that trying to respect your 10 brothers and sisters is something you're supposed to be doing. Not that you have to do. It's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And having that on the the front end of the scale is going to be such a difficult path. Mm Mm-hmm. I, it's your 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 concept is incredibly ambitious <laughs> as I, they I, all I would, are <laughs> i would love for it to work because essentially what it would mean is that there's a there is a how-to book uh-huh. there is a guide uh-huh. uh, if you have a question mommy do i or can i blah mm-hmm. let me check okay page nine says no can't get can't get pregnant while you're 13 so sorry i guess you're gonna have to wait until you're 25 because it says right in the book if it was something that simple, oh man, who wouldn't refer to that? The problem is that it's not that simple. Well, no, it's not that simple. It, like I said, it's going to take a while to roll this out. But if you're sitting there with your parents and you're hearing, now probably, once again, it, like, I wish you didn't have to start this young, but I don't see any way around it. If you... If you're understanding, if it's dawning on you... I'm, and if it, I'm fine if, with if it's the young with your part. Parents, well, I'm, no. I'm fine with the young part, by the way. You are. Yeah, absolutely. The, my daughter was getting at, in grade five and six uh, sex education. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I, I want my daughter to know rather than it being some weird, mysterious hurdle that some 
no, no, I can agree. No, I can agree with that too. No, I do agree. With, I do agree with experience. that. Okay, I, I do agree with that. It, it's just the the, the 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 government coming into it at this early of a stage. In that respect, I'm you know, I'm a small government guy. I'm, I'm I'm not happy that this is the only way that I can think of to propose this solution. But like I said, if you're sitting there with your parents and you're understanding that there's no backup plan, that there isn't going to be a government check to help with feeding your child and, and any extra expenses. Because some people will look at this as like, hey, the more kids I have, the more tax benefits I get, the more the more anything. And if you take that away, if you take that away early age, right out of the gate, that this isn't going to be an option, you're maybe that much less likely to get pregnant. And I, I think that's what I'm really going to enjoy about the call that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. It's because we'll be able to get some perspective that clearly you and I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't understand anybody that at even 22 wants to have three kids where there's nothing except government intervention. I, I, I can't imagine it. It's I, a lack. I, I it is a lack of ambition that I, I can't wrap my head around either. I mean, this this woman got pregnant at 19 with her daughter and her daughter got pregnant at 15, which is how you end up as a 36-year-old grandmother. Wait, if I'm not mistaken, I think we've got Karen on the line. Oh, hey, Karen, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you, Wade? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really glad to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in about, what, about a week, two? No, I I talked to you about two, three days ago. That is right. Uh, Karen, I just wanted to tell uh, our listeners how it was that we met. As they're aware, I am a cab driver, and I met you. It was on a call Karen is a manager at a Domino's, and she needed me to pick her up one night and take her home. And we got into this conversation where uh, I was telling Karen, and actually, Karen, this was, uh, I'd never done this before, but uh, I was telling you about my concept about uh, lowering teen pregnancy rate. And that's when, mm-hmm. you, that's when you told me a little bit about yourself. Can you tell the listeners about yourself, your, your age, and your situation? Well, I'm 36, and I agreed with Wade about the teen pregnancy idea he had. I thought it was a great idea because I am a grandmother at 36. I have two girls. My oldest is 16, just turned 16 in March, but she had her baby at 15. That's got to be tough. And it was, and it, oh my God, it was, it was rough. And it was heartbreaking because he's 15 years old, really. Yeah. And then you're just out there and you know you're not supposed to be doing what you were doing. Like you could, she could have caught the age, she could have caught any other STDs. It was it was just it was a nightmare. And then she's got a lot of influence over my youngest daughter too, so Oh, that's gotta be tough. Because I imagine you how many hours do you, how many hours a week are you working? Uh I'm I'm used to working fifty plus. It's wow. You know, it pays rent and it pays bills. <laughs> and that and there's really not much more to get ahead than that. Really. And sometimes I feel like I'm still working for nothing. Can I ask you a question? If you could wind back the clock, and I know we'd all like to try and do that at some point or another. If you could yeah. wind back the clock to when you were 18, what, what were your life plans at that point? Do you remember? Well, at 18 is when I actually had my first child. Oh, I thought you said, um, you, were, I thought you, said you were a mother at 19. Sorry, that's why I picked 18. Well, at 19 uh, is when I had my, my oldest girl. Uh-huh. So I, had my, my, I got pregnant at 17, but I turned 18 like right afterwards, so I had I, for him at 18. Wow. But okay. E- but even then, I was still working. I to have plans on, you know, get him out of the apartment, um, just trying to get my life together for, you know, for my son. Okay. All right. Do you what, what do you what do you think happened that would that uh, that having the kids uh, stopped or greatly took some time out of uh, the whole process? I, I I know everything was going fine, and then uh, just like an ex friend of mine. 
like she kind of conspired against me and got the you know children's division involved back then and that put a big cult on everything because then I had lost my job and the only silver lining to that situation was the fact that I was like in public housing so my rent was really cheap and it was I, it was just still easy to pay after I had lost my job uh-huh. and it, I don't know it just seemed like everything just went downhill from there. And Karen, this is uh, this is Mike, by the way. Again, thank you for coming on and uh, conveying a, a perspective that obviously Wade and I just simply can't offer to anybody. Not just because we're not mothers, but we are not young grandmothers. We just we we don't have the perspective. And so you coming on is not only brave, but it's incredibly informative. And I thank you for that. Oh, you are most welcome. Anytime, you can call me anytime. I think I can relate to almost anyone. Yeah, well, that's that's really why I, I I know I wanted to have you on, mostly because there's a series of questions that, again, Wade and I think about it, and we're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And what we want to ask you is the same questions and get your perspective. So one of the first ones I think that popped up when Wade was conveying his solution is the meeting that would happen between not only the parents, but also the children that are involved that instantly offers them the choice that you're referring to, i.e., sure, you can have children early, but just be aware, if you have children, you are on your own. There is no government subsidy. There is no go and find the government path that's going to allow you to get some money every month so that you can somehow not only raise this child that you're not ready to raise, but you can also have some money to live off. If you were to remove that from the equation... How would that impact people that you know right now? How, how does that change things? At one point, you know, new people who would agree with it, but at the same time, as the times change, people's perspective changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that given, I mean, at this point, giving them the opportunity to, to make the choice, I don't think that's probably wise because... There are, you know, people, uh, they've got too much negative influence in their lives as it is. I think that choice uh, would make them think twice about doing the grown people thing. It, it would lessen it a lot. It, it wouldn't stop anything, but it would lessen it a lot. And it wouldn't be so, so, so many teen pregnancies, young people out here getting pregnant. You know, it, it makes them at least think twice about doing it. Sure. Just let's knowing it's like if you have this baby, you don't have any help. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like that'll make them think twice. Sure. Let, let, let's again rewind that clock that Wade was talking about, and let's put yourself in the seat of you are. And I'm sorry. Did you say it was 18? Right? That you had your baby. Yeah, my first, my my first child. Okay. So let's go back to when you were 18, or I guess 17, and if you were to be in that meeting where you go, okay, this is it. Your mom and your dad, was your dad in your life, by the way? Uh, he was not, and, and I actually was adopted at four, and I didn't oh, have okay. a dad uh, growing up at all. Okay, gotcha. Oh, okay. I, I think that's incredibly valuable perspective, though. Yeah. If, if you knew that, uh, or if you were in that meeting where it's your mom and you and, did you say you had sisters and brothers, too? Well, I, uh, I had one biological brother who grew up with me, okay. uh, my twin, and then I had... Uh, Two adoptive siblings, one one boy and one girl. Okay, and were they with you inside of that seventeen to eighteen year old wheelhouse yet? They they was around. They they weren't like there there. They weren't there for me. They actually felt as if their lives were better before we got there. So they didn't really mm. treat us 
like like individuals sure. anyway. No, understood. Um, anyway, in this case, imagine that the four of you are assembled inside of this meeting that we're talking about inside of Wade's solution, and you all are told, okay, so this is it. You're going to sign this document, and you understand by signing this document that if you get pregnant from now until the period of being, I think 25 is the age yeah. that we picked, that you have nothing in the way of government support. This is all on you. Is that something that your mom and your, I think you said sister, oh no, your brother, your twin brother. Right. And then forget about the, the, the bad feelings of the other two brothers and uh, sisters. Uh, imagine that they were just in the meeting and had a, had an opinion. Is this something that would go over well or would they just go, nah, we're not doing that. Uh, tell, tell us more of that. Honestly, I, it, I think that with me, if that was uh, offered, it would go maybe more positively because I think I probably would at least been married first before I had my children. I definitely would have thought twice about out there being out there having sex. Even mm -hmm. at 17, 18, it's not like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's there's still more important things than, than boys and intimate relationships and things of that nature. I definitely would have thought twice about having sex. Uh, that's an outstanding perspective and, frankly, one that uh, Wade and I hadn't even thought of when we were talking about the general gist of what's going on here. Yeah. Because, obviously, yeah. to have a baby, you have to insert tab A into slot B, which yes. we, <laughs> right. which we, we completely neglected to, to talk about inside yeah. the solution. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's also something that's incredibly important because I know that when I look at, like, dating shows on television or watch something on YouTube and they're talking about dating – I'm horrified when they talk about an app where a swipe left and swipe right is kind of how you choose who you gravitate towards. Yeah, that is insane. But it's so what, shallow. What I'm even what I'm even more horrified by is, and now you have to contemplate sex with one of these hundreds of people. Yeah, uh, it it really is something I can't wrap my mind around because I know, especially as I got towards the end of college, the whole okay, well it's time to have sex was never on the front end of my plate. It, right. it, it just wasn't. And so I'm so happy that the solution that Wade's come up with is something that you think you could have taken inside of the, the general perspective of your life and used. I think that's incredibly valuable. One of the things I remember, Karen, is when we were talking about this, when I was first bringing the, uh, the solution up to you, was that I could sense the urgency in your voice that this was something that you wish that you could put in front of uh, your 13-year-old daughter right now. Oh, my God, Yes. How do you think that that would go? So we're in that situation. You're uh, with your daughter. You're in school. The uh, government agent is talking to you. Do you think in that kind of environment it would really dawn on your daughter what it was that was uh, being done for her? Not done to her, but really done for her. Most definitely. Because first of all, let me tell you, my youngest is a handful, and she's got the attitude of a thousand divas. So First of all, she's going to be all, well, I'm a good mama. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. You know, my baby be taken care of. Not really realizing how hard it, it, it would be, especially especially if there weren't the government assistance, as you stated, or no support from me or maybe her dad or maybe even the child's father. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, she's just going to not deal with him. Yeah, there's a there's something else too that I think a lot of youth don't consider at all nowadays, and it really is something you have to put on the plate, which is some sort of either birth defect or after effect of just having a child. Uh, the sample yeah. is my my 15 year old is educationally autistic. Okay, well I don't know if your daughter knows anybody that has a child that has autism, 
Uh, mine happens to be on the incredibly functional mm. side of the spectrum. And so it works out reasonably fine. There are little ticks and things that she has still, but she can operate inside of society well enough. Imagine taking one that's on the other side of the spectrum and throwing that onto a 14 or 15 year old. I think that's something that today's youth yeah. is completely unaware I, or thinking. I, I think of. in those programs uh, that they, they would send the, the child off with like one of those crying babies and you mm. have to take care of them just like they would do yeah. in school. I, I was and just thinking that. that. And that would just be like a big smack of reality in the face. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the smack of reality in the face. Um, not, not just for wayward youth. Uh, I think it sounds like we're all old enough that you can remember the scared straight series. Oh yeah. I and do remember the, uh, the yep. revisit to the yep. scared straight series that you can watch on like Netflix and stuff. That's um, what I'm about. I, I think that all of those are incredibly valuable because you get to see exactly what awaits you. If you continue to be a dumbass. <laughs> and I, exactly. I, I, again, it sounds like we're all on the same page in regard to, Hey, don't be a dumbass, which is kind of something that we could call this legislation. <laughs> Don't don't be a dumbass. I love my producer. He wraps things up so sweetly. Yeah. Uh, Karen, I think uh, we're going to wrap up here for this call. Uh, last couple of questions I have for you is what what is the perspective of, say, if you can articulate it, of your 13 year old when they hear the words government assistance? So the, the sample is if she came home in three weeks and said, hey, mama, I'm pregnant, I'm having the baby. And she says something to the effect of everything's going to be all right because I can just wait for my government check. What is her perspective on something like that right now? Because I I don't know, I don't know anybody, especially someone my age. I'm I'm 48 right now. Um, I'm I'm incredibly white bred, raised in white <laughs> household with maybe one black kid in our classes ever, and, and so I, I I don't have the perspective that I know you and your daughter can offer. What what is it that a 13 slash 14 slash going on 15 and now pregnant would offer in regard to how government assistance is waiting as a net or would work? Well, first of all, she the first thing she's going to think is free. Yep. So she's not going to be thinking about a job. She's not going to be thinking about any type of schooling. She's going to be trying to sit down on her butt and just get this quote-unquote free money. But mm -hmm. what she failed to realize, it's not free. The food stamps are not free. Bravo. If, yeah. she, if, she, if she knew that somewhere down the line somebody's going to have to pay that back, then she 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 might get herself together, but I don't I don't think that if she gotten pregnant now I don't I don't I wouldn't offer any government nothing because I think that that program that you spoke of would probably be a better fit for her because she would need to feel all of the parenting she would need to feel all of that yeah all all of the yeah. struggling all all of the just just the day to day making sure that your baby is fine and and has what he or she needs. That, that would probably, probably drive her crazy. It probably would, yeah. which is really the reason that I proposed this this program is just to give these kids a chance in life that they don't even have to worry about it. They, they can get ready for life and then become parents. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Because they, they need to know how hard it is first. Yeah. And if they knew that it was going to be hard before the fact, I, I, I think it, it, it teach them a lesson. Yeah. I think it, they at least make smarter decisions. Yeah. Uh, at least be more safer, to say the least. Yeah. The, the last question I think we have for today, and then we'll wrap up, is uh, is the is the father of your children in their lives currently? No, not at all. And I think that's 90% of why the, my girls act out, because mm -hmm. there is no father figure. Nobody sure. positive enough to, to to lay down the law and put their foot off in something. Yeah. You know, they, they dads, yeah. they're, they're around, but they're not around, if that makes sense. They know how to get yeah. a hold of me. They know where I live. They choose 
not to be a part of their, their daughter's lives. Yeah, and again, I, I can't possibly paint what the perspective of the father of your children has for the children, but do you know what his perspective is in regard to his children? I mean, it, uh, it sounds like he's not involved, but do, do you have kind of a, if you were a, a bird on his shoulder, what his perspective is? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Uh, if I could guess, I guess they feel like since they don't pro- help me provide that they can't be a part of their lives. Mm-hmm. But that's never been the case. I've, I've never kept my shelter from them. They've always made a decision to say, well, okay, mama got it. And they're right. I got it. I don't, I don't call or ask them for anything ever. Yeah. I just, the only thing I expect is maybe a phone call every now and then to check up on your kids. To just make sure that they're still breathing. You know, you don't you don't have to be concerned about me. Just call your kids. Yeah, it's good that you have the 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 touchstone there, especially in regard to the father in their lives. Uh, I, yeah. I I can't tell you. Uh, I I lost my dad in January this year, and I can't tell you how uh, different a life I would have had. Uh, my my dad left my mom and I when I was seven, and yeah. I can't I can't imagine the life I would have had had I not reconvened with him during my college years and then throughout the last 30 some years with him i i don't know what i would have done had that not been there and so to To not have that influence yeah that uh whatever you can do to foster that back in regardless of how participatory the father's going to be i would tell you to try because it really did impact me yeah i I don't and see i don't don't bad mouth him or anything um my my kids are just damaged, and they 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 just choose to just let their dads do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I do have a surprise last question. Karen, this is a very interesting one, something that I had never heard of. But I, I, I talked to a friend of my daughter's who told me about a, an instance inside of a family paradigm. Oh, you have to hear this, Karen. I, I didn't quite understand. She has eight brothers and sisters. And when she got to two of them that are four years apart, she had mentioned that the two of them were revenge babies in that... The revenge baby was where my mom goes and sleeps with the friend of her husband to have a baby, and then the husband does the same thing back, therefore, or thereby creating what she, at 15-16 years old, called revenge babies. Is this something you've heard of or a paradigm that I'm just not familiar with because not only am I incredibly white-bred, but I just don't have the, the experience? Honestly, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. See, I thought so too. I just heard it. <laughs> revenge babies before, like, like I, I know, like an old friend of mine um, did things out of spite. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, she tried to get me fired from my job, and then she started to oh. sleep with my husband after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that would con- constitute as the same thing, especially if she had gotten pregnant by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that no, I, I don't, I don't know what they was on. Yeah, that, it, that's something totally different. Like they, they both are sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's not sick is the perspective of Karen. And Karen, I again, I thank you for coming on to Wade Sense today. Your perspective Anytime. is your perspective is not only valuable, but it's incredibly commonsensical and something that can be used a whole lot more inside of everything Wade Sense. Thanks again for coming yeah. on. Thanks so much, Karen. Take care. All right, you too. 
while some very interesting details, again, I half of that stuff is alien to me, but it's because it's alien to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my, my, my wife and I, we didn't have a planned pregnancy, mm-hmm. but we had a much more planned experience in that we knew we wanted to be in our 30s by the time we had our kid, and we did plan for one. Yeah. Uh, my wife, again, is from this monster family of 12 kids. Oh, my God. Two sets of twins, and so... Don't make that family angry. Right, yeah. <laughs> You know, she's used to an army and she's used to all of the giant holidays and the people. And I've always known that I didn't want a whole lot of that. I, we, we haven't structured our life so that that. Did you start one? Did you stop at one on purpose or is it just how it worked out? That's how it worked out. Okay. Just the, have the one. And I mean, that, that's the fun part is that you have the one, mm-hmm. you get to have the experience and then you get to think, you know, what if we had two? We had. Um, it's thoughts. nice to be able to pause. It, we had thoughts of okay, well, if we had a second one, then the second one could help, and that that is a fallacy that people need to really get out of their system. Oh no, 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 no! I will disagree with you there because I've got five kids. I I, I came out with it was four with the first wife, mm-hmm. and I remember distinctly watching. There was a mother. We had we had just moved to Missouri. There was a mother across the street from us who had one child. We were I think she was probably at that point had like maybe ten years on us, mm-hmm. but I remember watching that one child. Run her ragged, mm-hmm. sure. and I had four, and they did. You know, sometimes yeah, it was a problem because you had to deal with four kids, but they would keep each other occupied. And when you're, it's another thing is that I I, I can't imagine being an old parent and and having uh, uh, kids because I barely had the energy in my twenties to deal with children. I just can't imagine doing it well, as an older parent. Well, wait, that's the whole point though. Is that are you supposed? And I'm not pointing at you when I say this, but right. are you supposed to have a gaggle of kids? Where the child can't possibly take care. I'm not talking about a five-year-old taking care of themselves. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, no, no, no. What what I'm referring to, though, is I'm an only kid. Mm -hmm. And I know that by by probably five and a half, six, Mm -hmm. uh, I can make my own meals. I can do lots of things on my own. But it's Mm -hmm. because I spent a lot of time by myself. Yeah. There's no question. My daughter is very much the same. She's she's currently 15. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's... Very independent, mm-hmm. but she that's will a good ab- thing. She will absolutely lean and tether onto you if you allow it. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's that whatever you're going to be given and handed is way more comfortable because all you've got to do is raise your hand and take it, yeah, rather than going and getting stuff. Yeah, it's true. And, and I, so, I, I think that having fewer kids, especially in a time where you know, should you be having more kids? Because mm. that's a question I know a lot of people don't bother asking either. Is now a great time to have a family of five kids? Yeah, like I was. Would, would you here repeat it? Would what? you do it again? <sighs> and that doesn't mean like you hate your children. No, 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 no. I actually, just, I was, would, I always you used have to say, five now or not. Would I have five now? No, okay. no. I well, I mean, like I said, the last one, my my stepdaughter came in with the second marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's definitely one of my children. There's no two ways about it. But uh, when you when I think back on it and having to have the larger vehicle and the extra costs and that. I probably wouldn't have four. I probably would have stopped right. at, at two. And I, actually, I could have because when I met my uh, my my first wife, she already had two. They, the twins were a month old when I when I met her. Sure. Anyway, our thanks totally to Karen Taylor for some wonderful insights and perspective that clearly Wade and I don't have. And no. that's where we ask you guys, what do you think of this giant solution, as well as the perspectives that are conveyed here? Go on over to our website. In fact, you should really go over to our Facebook presence and chime in on the thread that started there about this conversation or start your own. Yeah, absolutely. We really want to hear your feedback because, like I said, guys, it's a huge topic. It is definitely a paradigm shift that we're trying to to propose here. And if anything can make it happen, it'll be feedback from you guys. 
Everybody, we will be right back. We have got our YouTubery next, and uh, I don't know about Mike's pick, but mine is definitely going to make you laugh, and man, is it gonna make you think. We will be right back, stay tuned. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug www.podcastbug.com When it comes to security and law enforcement procedures, there's no such thing as too much information. Come get your free helping of free field training from Officer Tommy Model now at freefieldtraining.com That's freefieldtraining.com wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. You're probably already editing your own podcast you may be editing other people's podcasts. Ever thought of making even more money editing podcasts? EditorCore.com is looking for a few good editors to edit podcasts inside of the EditorCore.com effort. Take the experience, skills, and knowledge you've collected over the years as you edit podcasts and embiggen your wallet and or purse. It's time to start monetizing the process of editing podcasts. Make your way to EditorCore.com. Help us make podcasts soar at the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. I'm Chief Christy Giuseppe from Two Guys Talking Star Wars.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. We're doing YouTube, folks. Uh, my pick uh, is something that uh, I'm not a sports guy. I will immediately tell you that right now. Um, I, 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 we're in a sports town. I try and watch a baseball game when it's on TV, but invariably I end up losing interest or falling asleep. Uh, something came across on my Facebook page, and I watched like two or three uh, videos in a row. It's adult tag. It's that, and it's as simple as that. It's adult tag. This guy, this name, his name's Christian DeVoe. He's uh, out of uh, Britain, was playing tag with his kid. And he came up with the idea of, what if we made this into a sport? And now it is. It is a sport. You actually go to uh, like a gym or an arena, and people are sitting around watching that. It, it, it's got rules. But here's the thing, guys. Like I said, I'm not a sports guy, but I'm sitting here, and I'm watching this. I am smiling and enwrapped 
just as much as the guys, the young men that were playing this. They could not stop smiling as they are chasing each other around this obstacle course. And I'm thinking, man, there's some injuries that are going to come out of this that you can't possibly avoid, the way they are leaping and diving under stuff. And But I was just thinking about it. Nothing. Nothing more. And I, and I could understand that when I saw them, them smiling the way that they were. Nothing could be more raw, childlike glee than chasing someone else as a matter of a game. It, it, it brought right back to just being kids and that, that simple type of tag, catch me. And you're watching this and you can't stop smiling. I couldn't stop smiling. What did, did you see it, Mike? What did I you did. Think? I did. And for those that are curious, we're not just talking about where you're running around in a circle hoping you can lay your hands on something. No, there were rules and stuff. And not only were there rules, but there were obstacles. Yeah. And so for those of you that are curious or might know the word parkour, parkour is... That one I don't remember. Parkour? Parkour. It's essentially what you're seeing inside of the tag game, which is kind of... Uh, Spell it yeah, for me, please. P-A-R-K-O-U-R, parkour. Oh, okay. And it's essentially adult Olympics, urban Olympics. Okay. And we'll bring we'll bring some up on the screen. And I mean, you're going to see exactly... Like American Ninja type stuff? It's better than that oh, because wow. it's urban. It's where, okay, look at this general neighborhood. And now look at the guys. Oh, wait, 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 well, the, the guys are jumping on buildings and stuff and yeah. off of real. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Okay, That's well, what made it, me think of that, too. It's exactly the same thing, except that it's in an arena with established obstacles. And now they're, you have to go and try and tag somebody else. Oh, But okay. the skill sets are the same. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. That, it's that manic, incredibly athletic able to balance yourself and twisty turnness that I will never have. Oh, I want, I would want, I want to get in shape to play this. I'm immediately going to well, injure myself. But God, it looks well, like fun. That, that is exactly what this is meant for, is to get people that are already out of shape, try to get into shape, and then injure themselves. Obviously, this whole adult tag thing was manufactured by any one of a number of insurance companies. <laughs> <laughs> probably, because probably, there's got yeah. to be an ambulance so right outside. It's crazy. <laughs> for those that are curious, you can also go on YouTube and find Parkour Fails. And beware, because some Ooh, of them they are sound incredibly painful. graphic. Oh, I bet. Uh, but it's real. It, it's where you're taking yourself, you're putting yourself into incredibly dire situations, banking on the fact that your balance, uh, your shoe leather, and your agility is somehow going to balance everything out. And I'm telling you, it just doesn't all the time. <laughs> and anyway, this adult tag thing, I, I like it. I, I think it's incredibly uh, vibrant. I think it works for lots and lots of people that have really, really bad attention span issues because it is. It's instantly don't get tagged. If it grabbed my attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the rules that you're talking about, I know nothing about them. I'm certain that there are some. But as long as you stay within the bounds and you don't it was get really, violent, yeah. it was, I, I, it was I'm, really, really I'm simple. All for it. it was yeah, it what, so I, what I could gather with the rules, real, real simple, were is uh, you've got guys, so you've got one guy here. This is the uh, on one side of the gym, he is the chaser. And on the other side of the gym, you've got the evader. Mm -hmm. And the the chaser is poised. He's ready to go. The alarm goes off. He runs over and he immediately tries to tag the the evader. Mm -hmm. And you've got what it amounts to is you've got 20 seconds to evade this guy. If you do, you get a point. Mm -hmm. The matches are 16 to 20, 20, se 20 second matches. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it's just it's that simple. And I'm I, yeah, they're probably wearing out of bounds things. I think I might have saw somebody run out of bounds. But like I said, you just you can't not watch it. And like it really is perfect for those with attention uh, span problems like myself. Mm -hmm. I loved it. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we also talked about sports too. I, I'm on kind of the other end. Yeah, you were a wrestler. I, You've actually yeah. you were an athlete. When I also am not super sports guy, so like soccer lost on me completely. No. Uh, I enjoy a lot of the pieces of the NFL, but over the last couple of years, it's become very easy to not pay attention to it. Yeah, uh, there are still some names that I remember inside of the sports NFL realm that you know they they pique my interest, mm-hmm. and so I'll always pay attention to them. But am I following it now? Not really. Yeah. There's some reasonably inserted, I shall always rally behind, behind the Packers mm-hmm. because I'm from Wisconsin. Yes, okay. that's yeah. always there. Uh, there are some other teams that I'm curious about, but it's not a it's not a I must watch thing. Yeah. Uh, baseball, absolutely. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan or a diehard Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. The paradigms between American League Baseball and National League Baseball, there's all kinds of differences there, a lot of which people don't know. I don't have a clue. Yeah. None when, whatsoever. See, I don't even know what team's in which. <laughs> having having pieces of those paradigms and how they're different, uh-huh. that's what makes something inside of both of those games and leagues something alluring. Yeah. And that's why the World Series is so interesting to someone, especially like me, because yeah. you get to see where literally you take two different paradigms of baseball and you smash them together based on whatever rules are being observed for this calendar year. Because very the, the rules change. The rules change from even to odd. And it's not like drastic, like, and if I throw the ball to first base, now you're not out. Oh, okay. It's, not, oh, it's nothing okay. that drastic. But, uh, for example, something called the designated hitter. Are you familiar with this concept? I've heard of it. I have no idea what it means. Okay, well, in one league, you have the where the pitcher's hit yeah. they'll go to the plate swing a bat and try and hit the ball oh inside of the american league you have something called the designated hitter uh-huh. and it's a much different paradigm if you insert somebody that essentially is one of the best hitters of 28 national league teams mm-hmm. or an assortment of a team of nothing but people that are supposed to learn how to hit the best mm-hmm. okay the paradigms like that are what allow me to jump into something like baseball that for many people is kind of a boring sport it's where you sit and you watch guys throw balls, and if one happens to hit it, then they run, and sometimes things happen, and the crowd goes wild, and you go and get peanuts, and then you leave. <laughs> okay, well, it's a it's a lot more than that, obviously. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, to get onto my my YouTubery, something a little bit, in fact, really, it's actually a ton different. Uh, back in November last year, I found a story. This story on YouTube. It was something called the Horse Soldiers. Are you familiar with this at all? The Horse Soldiers. The Horse Soldiers. What era? Uh, Afghanistan, actually, recent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Recent within, uh, obviously, it was right after 9 11 that, that this is referring the, like, to. Literally, they're on horses? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Modern cavalry. It, it actually is. And what they're referring to, and it's something I was absolutely, completely unaware of. Cavalry. Which is why we are sharing it with everybody else, because I want you guys to get educated about it, is that there were 12 men that took Afghanistan months after 9 11. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because I want all of you to go to the link over at wadesense.com for this episode. And I want you to watch this link that we're going to have. It's called Horse Soldiers, an Alex Quaid film narrated by Gary Sinise. And this is only this is only a 19 minute video where there are there's another one, actually, that's on uh, Netflix. That one is also called Horse Soldiers. It's much, much longer. It's a CNN film. So I was a little bit dubious at the beginning of it. But wow. This will give you perspective that you cannot possibly ignore, so much so that there's now been a major motion picture made. It's The picture's already made, and it's called 12 Strong. It stars Chris Hemsworth, which for those of you that are familiar, he is Thor inside of the Marvel films. And so it has a bunch of backing and money and focus, and you will not be disappointed with any of it. It is an amazing tale of strength, of focus, 
and just 12 guys. 12 guys took a country. 12 guys. 12 guys rode through Afghanistan. Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting. That's amazing. And that's where we ask you guys, what have you seen on YouTube that we need to know more about and share with other people that listen to the program? Go over to our website. That's wadesense.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what we're missing on YouTube. Wisdom of the Ages is a segment that uh, I, I personally am really proud of because I, I haven't heard of anybody that's even attempted to do what we do, which is to go back through time and to dig up pearls of wisdom and then examine them in the light of modern day and see if they still hold true for modern men. And so far, Mike and I have been successful in doing just that. This one isn't necessarily um, that far back. Uh, it's called Wisdom of, or it's called the American Creed. And this is from a poem by Dean Alfange, who which was a World War II vet and Professor Emeritus at uh, UMass at Amherst. This is a variant of a poem published uh, in This Week and later in the Reader's Digest in 52 and then in 54. I would love for something like this. I, I think that, like so many things, if you go back to the education, if you start from there, you can fix a lot of things. And I just, I imagine a nation where this is taught and taught in detail, understood. This is the American creed. I do not choose to be a common man. It is my right to be uncommon. I seek opportunity to develop whatever talents God gave me, be not humbled and dulled by having the state look after me. I want to take the calculated risk, to dream and to build, to fail and to succeed. I refuse to barter incentive for a dole. I prefer the challenge of life to the guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment to the state calm of utopia. I will not trade freedom for beneficence, nor my dignity for a handout. I will never cower before any earthly master nor bend to any threat. It is my heritage to stand erect, proud, and unafraid, to think and act myself, to enjoy the benefit of my creations, and to face the world boldly and say, this, with God's help, I have done. All this is what it means to be an American. Imagine what kind of country we would have if something like that was read and understood, that, Amer that, that Americans at their core knew this is what it means to be an American, to really and truly have like an American mission statement in front of you to understand. That would require someone to have the value in a mission statement. <laughs> because I, I think if you go through there, and obviously we're not going to take the time to do it today, but no. if you went through what you just said, mm -hmm. everybody can pluck and or pull something in their life that fits into those round holes with the round pegs mm -hmm. of everything that you just said. Everything. Even if you don't believe in God, which is where you got to it and I kind of go off the reservation, mm -hmm. the, the fact is that all of the other pieces, parts, they're all available. It's a matter of whether or not you are going to choose to take advantage of them or not and then tell someone about it that you either do or don't care if they hear about it. All those things are there. It's a matter of remembering them when you need and or want to. Mm. And I think that's where we have a very large problem selective memory or just there's so much information to assimilate or whatever i think i would probably use uh, directly the the rules of taxes currently i know mm -hmm. that other than filling out some fields inside of a software program i don't know jack about taxes yeah i don't either i know how to collect data and that's about it mm -hmm. i don't know any of the nuances of taxes okay and because i don't know i have to go to someone and say hey man i don't know what i'm doing please help me now, that works as long as you find somebody that is going to either help you or offer you knowledge so that you can ascend to whatever the next step is. Just this last week, I had someone that I know that has the same general skill set that I have, mm -hmm. and I could not remember something that was incredibly fundamental 
to what I was doing inside of a web project. Okay. And they told me right after they told me, you know, you really should know this stuff. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. I think the, the, the goal across life is that you should never feel stupid asking questions. Uh, a lot of people say, I don't I know this sounds like a stupid question, but blah. And I don't want to tell people that there are no stupid questions because there are. Yeah, there are. There are definitively stupid questions, but, taking, but you don't want them to not ask either. Right. Taking time to admonish people because you ask a question, because I think I'll admonish you for asking a question. Mm-hmm. I think that that's incredibly counterproductive. It doesn't help anybody. More importantly, it damages a relationship. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you just be a what, dick for no reason? Well, what I said back was, you know, hey, you said no offense, but mm-hmm. uh, really you should know this. And I said, mm-hmm. well, you know what? That's okay. No offense taken, really. Uh-huh. I just know that if if you ever have a question, I hope that you'll ask it because I want to answer your questions. Right. I don't ever want to participate in an environment where I'm afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Absolutely. That was my response to yeah. him directly inside of a inside of a chat message. And I didn't get anything back from that, which I didn't expect anything. Because if you're going to admonish me for asking questions, why on earth would you then have a, a meaningful dialogue about me saying, hey, if you ever have questions and I happen to know the answer, I'm happy to help you. Well, what are you going to say to that? And the answer is nothing. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of commonsensical pieces that you've got there. The fact is that they are all there. It's whether you recognize them, ask about them, and then choose to participate in them. You should just understand. I mean, I I think people have lost the vision of what it is to be an American and just what a gift it is. And I think that if you read something like that and understood, yeah, this is the kind of freedoms that I have. And this is the framework that makes sense and feels right that, that I should follow, that I should want to follow. And I remember, uh, you'll love this, my sophomore year of high school, and I had a teacher, I don't know why he decided to do this, but we took apart the lyrics for Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) And there was a lot to the song that I didn't know, but all these years later, I still remember things that my teacher taught me about Stairway to Heaven. Mm -hmm. Now, if you took the American Creed, which actually, and I didn't get into this, it's from Elements of uh, Identity. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was trying to put it together, and I was trying to follow it, and I got off track because the bottom line is there was three or four variations of American Creed. Uh, one of them ended, this is what it means to be an entrepreneur, which I think is also American in nature as well. Right. But, yeah, I just think if you studied that and understood it, it would be something that you could follow, a template. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think for my wisdom of the ages inside of this episode, I think we have to go back to NASA. NASA and I have had a love affair since I was a child. I've always had a love of human space flight. Did you ever get to see a pl- one take off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, we so went cool. and saw John Glenn's Return to Space. Oh, wow. And then that same week when we were on vacation, we were able to see a, an Atlas rocket launch a satellite into space, and that was a night launch. Oh, so in the so span cool. How far of, were you? In the span of 13 days, we got to see two rocket launches in Florida. It was tremendous. Oh, we were in Florida. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it was in Florida. And it was, uh, it was in 1998. It was spectacular because it was October, so it wasn't, oh my God, you got to be kidding me, hot. Yeah. You could always plan on there being about a 1 o'clock rainstorm, mm-hmm. and then it would clear up and be an incredibly sultry night that just was perfect. Mm. That, that whole week and a half was just absolutely elation. We stayed at a place called the Inn at Cocoa Beach. Mm. It's still around. It is, uh, we'll put links to everything that we're talking about as well, so you can go back and experience some of the stuff that we saw including John Glenn's return to space, which is incredibly majestic. It, it That's was, so cool that they let him do that. Yeah, it was the pinnacle of being elderly because he was yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was in the 70s, wasn't he? Yeah, and that he was able to accomplish so much inside of such a long life is a real endearment and a, and a shining beacon into what you can do inside of your life if, again, you choose to do it, which yeah. 
really gets back to my love of human spaceflight and the what ifs that an organization like NASA posits to people that you then get to choose what it is you're going to do. You don't have to go and learn to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to learn more about parabolic courses for rockets. You don't have to know how things interact with a weightless environment. You don't have to know any of that. In fact, all you've got to do is go and watch and look and read about stuff to know more about NASA. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that we forget about NASA is that it is absolutely a breeding grounds for greatness. One of the things that NASA provides for me is uh, not only a sense of accomplishment, but a sense of what if we dot, 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 that I don't know that I get from anything else, not even television anymore, Mm -hmm. because there's so few television slash streaming programs that engage me like my own imagination, which really is the pinnacle of what NASA has created for me, uh, especially looking back at the Apollo program, Mm -hmm. where there was one goal issued by one man to get our ass to the moon. And we did it. We did it. It Not only was it done, it was done in reasonably quick fashion. It was done because there was also someone else trying to do it. Yeah. So that sense of competition was there. Yeah. There was a sense of nationalism that was brought to bear so that there was a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. And it's something that just simply can't be matched. And That's while, so missing. Yeah, th- this, th- there are many quotes that I could jump into that give you the zeal and zest of what we're talking about in regard to NASA. And mm-hmm. we didn't have enough time to go through all of the ones that I want. But I want everybody to remember what's next for NASA. Because you might think, okay, well, Elon Musk is just going to start sending stuff into space because he can. And he right. has. Yeah. Uh, he is the next evolution of what is looking like next commercialized space travel. Mm-hmm. I can't possibly disagree with that, but I want everybody to know what NASA has planned over the next 10 or 20 years. I'm, very, I'm dying to know. Uh, the first one is a solar system and beyond program. And that doesn't mean sending you and or I into a rocket and sending us out beyond what is inside the solar system. It means sending out satellites and probes and different kinds of things out to find out different things. Because everybody thinks that, you know, we... 40 years ago, we started sending things out past where we think we can ever go in regard to space. And that's true. But what we didn't send was something that is as technologically advanced as what we can do now. And so while we did send things long ago in the early days of space travel when there was, we had no idea what was going to happen, that was out there. Did you call, it uh, would have been in the uh, early 80s when Voyager was leaving the solar system mm-hmm. and you could call and listen to it? I did yeah. too. Yeah, 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 and I don't know anybody that didn't. The cool part is that with something like the internet, everybody can go and listen to that, which yeah. we'll link up to as well. Okay. Anyway, that's one of the first segments. This, the next one is sending humans out into solar system. I want everybody to understand what that actually means. There's a difference between sending someone into Earth orbit. Uh-huh. There's even a difference of sending someone into a long trajectory to arrive at, say, Mars. Yeah. But sending someone out into our solar system completely different project Uh, it's not only a completely different project it offers up a completely different listing of problems and that's what i find so endearing about nasa is that rather than it being some sort of wall that you hit like a bug Mm -hmm. it's a wall that you assess you use the people that have the tools and the knowledge with which to scale the wall and you scale it yeah and I miss that. I miss that inside of projects that you and I, you and I can take advantage of and participate in now yeah. that none of that has that same grip. No. The next thing is the International Space Station. 
there's been a lot of discussion about what's going to happen with the International Space Station. Everything from they're just going to abandon it and let it burn into orbit, which eventually that's going to happen. Right. Uh, it's not slated to happen in the very near future, but it is going to happen. Until then, though, guess what? We have this enormous space station with which to go and do things inside of it. That's why being able to take more people into Earth orbit, into the space station, is incredibly important. It's also why someone needs to put that on their, not just their bucket list, like you and I finding $50,000 to get shoved into a rocket and appear on a space station. But someone needs to think about a career where your career is dedicated to the the 18 months you're going to spend on the International Space Station doing X. And that's more of what I want to focus on inside of this Wisdom of the Ages is the whole what if. What is it you're going to do with your life? You know, it, it's more than just, okay, well, this week I'm going to go to my job and make money and then I'm going to go get drunk on the weekend. Exactly. It's way more than that as long as you put something there to have. Uh, it's incredibly important. The next piece is aeronautics. A lot of people completely forget that one of the A's in NASA is for aeronautics, and that refers to high-end plane design. Right now, they're working on a a wonderful, outstanding piece of equipment that will take a seven- and eight-hour plane trip to the U.K. from New York to two hours. Oh, I remember the high altitude. I, I don't think people appreciate what that actually means. And if you're curious, what I want you to do is go and investigate it via the link we're going to have at WadeSense to this device that will take you from New York to the UK, to London in the UK, in two hours. The feats there are enormously giant. And that we're going to be able to do that is huge. The general gist of technology is the next one. A lot of people have forgotten the enormous listing of things that NASA has provided us in the past. You're an idiot. If you don't know a list of five, at least five different things that the space program has given us, yeah. <laughs> luckily, we're going to list every single one of them over in the show notes for this episode of Wade Sense because oh, wow. cool. you need to know. Uh, and again, I'm not going to bother going into them here because I want you to go to the show notes. Yeah. The last thing that's listed here, and it's what I think a lot of us forget about, when you think NASA, you're like, okay, go to the stars and see the moon and wow, check out planet pictures and blah. Everyone has completely forgotten that NASA also focuses on earth. There are so many things that we still don't know about the surface of the earth, much less the oceans. Oh, the ocean is the biggest mystery. It's amazing what we don't know about the ocean. Yeah. And so NASA continues to, and always has had a a tentacle Mm -hmm. into the scraping of information about what is the earth and how, not only how we impact it, both on what I think is kind of goonie science, but then also what is real world science as well as photograph, uh, photography. Mm -hmm. And it's all real world knowledge. I want everybody to think about NASA and go check out the links that are over inside of our website over at wadesense.com for this episode. I know. I definitely will. Yeah. Everybody, I hope that you have had as much fun if you've learned as much and truly went, hmm, and thought, what if, as much as Mike and I have in this episode of Wade Sense. I want to welcome you all back and follow the journey. And remember, as always, you can make excuses. Or you can have results, but you can't have both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this has been Wade Sense.
never going to get ahead in life. It, it's just, uh, can I introduce some facts at this point? I don't know. Do you want to? Yeah, actually I do, because I really want to get my point across as to why it is this. Because this isn't just some man sitting here saying, well, I need to stop having kids, but this is the reason. Um, well, I have a list of facts that I took off that really show just uh, how imperative this is that we tackle this. Find your facts before we paper wrestle, because it's death on the mic. Sorry, sorry. 